This is the Blaze Radio On Demand. The experts at Web.com want to build your business a successful website for free, just like we did for these current Web.com customers. We've used and looked at other website designers, but there's nobody better than Web.com. Web.com can build your website in as little as seven days free. Plus, we'll promote it on all the major search engines like Google, Yahoo, and Bing. If after 30 days you're happy, we'll continue to provide promotion, hosting, support, and maintenance, all for one low monthly fee. If not, cancel and pay nothing. If you're in business today and you don't have a web presence, you won't be taken seriously. Call right now and you'll also get a free .com or .net domain name for your new website powered by VeriSign, the world's leading domain name provider. Call 800-490-1099 or go to web.com slash radio. That's 800-490-1099. No upfront charge for site build, after which ongoing fees apply. Rights to site are relinquished when canceled. Domain included during active service, after which fees apply. Hello, America, and welcome to the Glenbeck Program. Hello, America, and welcome to the Glenn Beck Program. Glad you're here. Uh, Today, I want to start with a story that I saw out of Austin, Texas, about uh, a college student that was coming home from a party and slammed into the back of a parked police cruiser. Quite an amazing story, and a different way to look at it begins right now. of entertainment and enlightenment. This is the Glenn Beck Program. Hello, America. All right, I want to tell you a... I want to tell you a story, and I want to tell it to you in two different ways. Sunday morning, I get up, and I'm reading the news, and I see this amazing story about uh, this 20-year-old girl who is leaving a party, she is driving back to her dorm room, and she uh, slams into the back of a police cruiser. The police cruiser is parked. That's not fun. Not fun. The police cruiser uh, is, um, uh, the the cop just got out of the cruiser, and he was walking over to uh, a house where he was investigating some, you know, phone call. And he turns around after he hears, Pam! And uh, he runs over to the car to see if the girl is okay. And she is quickly trying to put her blouse on. She has a a sweater or a blouse, and she's pulling it over her head. And the cop says, "Uh, Miss, are you okay? And she says, Yes, yes, I'm fine. I'm sorry. I just, uh, I'm sorry. She said, can you step out? She said, yes. And now she's trying to hook her bra back up and, and put her blouse back on. Nobody else is in the car. There is an open wine bottle in the car. Whoa. And the police officer notices that she's having a hard time kind of navigating 
And he says, you've been drinking? And she says, well, I just got back from a party, but I'm not drunk. And he says, okay, he gives her a sobriety test. She, all I know is that she had to go to the hospital for blood tests. So I'm guessing that she flunked the sobriety test. And he said, uh, can, you t- can you tell me what uh, you're, you, were, you, you were doing? And she blushes and she says, uh, yeah, I, um, I just left a party and my boyfriend wanted a topless picture of me driving home. So she had taken off her blouse and her bra, and she was taking a hot photo of her topless driving home for her boyfriend. Now, there's plenty of places to go here. Are there not, Pat? Yes. Yes. Many. Yeah. Yeah. So. Yes. I... So I'm seeing this story, and I immediately think, oh, my gosh, is this society, is this girl just dumb as a box of rocks? Mm-hmm. And I copy and paste, I put it into an email, and I'm sending it to one of our producers for yesterday's show. This is, Monday, this is Sunday morning. And as I'm ready to hit send, I look down at her face one more time, and she's this normal-looking, sweet, 20-year-old girl. And suddenly, I think to myself, everybody, her life is destroyed, at least for a year. Um, Everybody she knows, she's this 20-something, you know, 19, 20-year-old, going to college. Her parents think she's sweet, most likely. All of her parents' friends think she's sweet, most likely. Her aunts, her uncles, everybody in her circle that doesn't see her taking her top off for her boyfriend now has a very different image of her. One thing to be drinking, another thing to be drinking and driving, another thing to be drinking and driving and slam into the back of a police officer. It's another thing to be drinking and driving and slamming into the back of the police officer while sexting. It's another thing to be drinking and driving and sliding in the back of the police cruiser while sexting and taking a photo of yourself topless. And the reason you were slamming into the back of the police officer is because you were trying to put your shirt back on. Done. How do you face your family, how do you call your mom? How do you call your dad? What are your friends? What, what is it like when you get up that morning and see your face everywhere on Facebook? Your moment of absolute shame and you are being ridiculed by everyone. It's a good thing that this thing happened to me on Sunday because I teach Sunday school. And this Sunday, I taught the Beatitudes. And, you know, Ellen, if I have time today, I want to teach them on Facebook. I want to teach them on Facebook Live today if I can. Um, but I got to mercy. As I had my finger on send, the Beatitudes came to mind. Those, those who are merciful will receive mercy. 
Now, I have been thinking about Facebook and the comments on Facebook because has anybody read my comments lately? Woo! And I've, I've thought to myself a lot, most of these people don't know me. Most of these people have never listened to me. They, some of them have, but I contend they've heard, but they've never really listened to me. Those who are making the case that I've changed. No, I haven't. If anything, I have softened my stance, but I am not, not, not my stance, not my principles, but I've softened my approach. Um, but I haven't changed my principles at all. They're exactly the same. So I contend you may have heard me, but you didn't listen to me. But most of them haven't even listened to me. They don't know the first thing about me. And they are getting more and more vitriolic, really nasty. And everyone is getting that way. And so I've been thinking a lot of what's happening to us. What is happening to us? Because we would never have treated each other this way before. But now we're traveling in packs and we're traveling anonymously. And it's easy to say things anonymously or virtually because it's not, you don't have to look at the person in the eye. But you'll notice, I saw a video today of a woman who went and she was standing in a Trump rally. She started protesting. Trump kicked her out. Okay, fine. But when they get out, people surround her and she is angry and she's shouting angry liberal Berkeley, California things. I don't even care about what she was saying or what anyone else was saying. What was happening was they were yelling at each other. Okay, I get it. Everybody's angry. But then one side started to chant, lock her up, lock her up. All she did was express her opinion. She might have done it horribly. I don't agree with her opinion at all. But in a crowd, lock her up, lock her up. We're becoming bullies in crowds and bullies virtually. On both sides. This is not about a candidate. This is about all of us. I had my finger on send because she was going to be funny. I hit delete. And I didn't bring it up yesterday. And the reason why is because I want to to talk to you today about mercy. Is there something about using people? We're using we're, we're no longer looking, in fact, we don't like it. We don't watch television as much because we don't, we're not watching situation comedies as much because why use a situation comedy? Reality is funnier than anything else. Look at all those crazy, stupid people and look at how we are mocking everything on Facebook now. But we don't see people as people. They're just for our entertainment purposes. And then we move on. We pile on. What business is it of us, this girl's life? Now, Pat, because I brought this up in church, Pat had an argument, well, not an argument, a discussion with his wife on the way home. She happened to agree with me. He didn't. Yeah, I, I, You know, I, I think it, you can use that as a cautionary tale for other Girls in similar situations, not to do that. 
because so many things can go wrong. Almost everything that ha- can happen is bad. And uh, and it's a so it, it might prevent somebody else from doing that uh, the next time. You would hope. You would hope so. You would, you would and hope. It's, you would hope so. It's also, you wouldn't hope so. You would hope so. You wouldn't hope so. It's it's also a story about where we're headed culturally, and and it. It's so I agree with you on that. that yes. I agree with you on that. the The problem is, um, you're identifying. I don't think people understand. Um, I don't think any of us really understand, especially for somebody unlike me, unlike Ben Shapiro, and unlike anybody, um, David French, who is really getting hammered right now. We at least have an outlet. People like that, they don't. The entire country turns on them, mocks them, ridicules them, and then moves on. That experience, I think, has to change people. I would love to see, has anybody ever done, you would know this, Stu, has anybody ever done a study on the people who have been destroyed yeah, we haven't talked, Facebook. We haven't talked about this. There, there's a really interesting article that came out, uh, it's probably six months ago now, uh, of the woman, and you might remember the story. I knew he would know. <laughs> uh, where she uh, went to Africa and she... Yeah, she got on the plane. Mm-hmm. She got on a plane. She tweeted, before she got on the plane, she got, tweeted a joke and said, I'm going yeah. to Africa, mm-hmm. um, but, I, but don't worry, I'm white, so I won't get AIDS or something like that. And so uh, gets on the plane, flies to Africa... Um, someone, it was at the uh, uh, former institution you might remember as Gawker, uh, po- po- uh, posted this tweet of hers and made it into a news story. And, but she was in the air the whole time as the thing blew up and she didn't know. And there was a hashtag. I don't remember. Again, this is me. Landed yet or something? Yeah, has she landed yet? I don't even, I don't even remember her name. It shows, show, proving your point. Um, but so she was a, um, a PR person and um, she made the joke not to say that white people can't get AIDS. That was not her point. Right. Her, point wa- her point was she was actually kind of liberal and, and was pointing out that we don't care enough about Africa, basically. Like uh, the a- attitude of Americans are we just, you know, we think that none of this stuff will happen to us. Mm-hmm. That was kind of her point. I mean, you know, like, is it a little bit of offensive? Yes. But I mean, you know, she was trying to be offensive. It's Twitter, right? Um, there's no reason to, she had worked in charity in, in these areas before, like for, to help people in these situations. Um, there was no reason to believe she was a hardcore racist who wanted black people to get AIDS and white people not to. There was no backing for this in a completely, in a person who, generally speaking, was not a, a, a public person, right? Like she was not a person in which she was, you know, trying to get on TV all the time, although she was in PR, so she mm-hmm. had some of that background. Uh, anyway, you know, she, so by the time she landed, she had been fired. Uh, yeah. I mean, it was oh, her, her... Before she even had a chance life was to over. response to yeah. anything yeah. Right. at all. She didn't all. even get a chance to respond to it. And her, Imagine her life landing, was over. turning on your cell phone and hearing bing, 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 bing. And everybody is writing to her saying, uh, boy, this is not good. And she's fired. Right. Right. On the tarmac, she finds out I've been I've lost my job. Yep. And her business was destroyed, too, because if she was if I remember correctly, she you know, she had like a bunch of clients like she had a business and with a bunch of clients and they just all dropped her. So she had nothing. Um, and she went through a period of, uh, you know, real depression. And again, everyone else had moved on. We'd right. all forgotten her name. We had all we all, we laughed, all moved on. We all were higher than, you know, holier than thou. Exactly. And we went on with our life to destroy somebody else. Now, I believe, and you know what, it's, it's, a, 
I can't remember. That was probably the whole story happened, I don't know, two years ago. Um, and so a year after that, she wound up getting her head back on her shoulders and putting her life back together a little bit. It wound up eventually contacting the Gawker author who came around to essentially apologize for you know, publicizing her tweet. And they kind of became friends, if I remember the story correctly. Um, and she's, you know, she's been able to sort of put her life back together. Let's see if we can get her on the air. Yeah, it was a, it's a fascinating story. Um, and yeah, let's, let's do that. She, I mean, it was really interesting. She's gone we through. Let's see if we can find a few people who have been destroyed and just cannot put their life back together. Yeah, there are several examples in that story, if I remember correctly. You see, Mel Gibson uh, came out uh, yesterday and said, it's time Hollywood forgives me. Yeah, I mean, I'm Hollywood forgives. I guess this movie is so good they might actually do it. This yeah. movie yeah. is unbelievable. Everyone should see this movie. This is this is this is such a remarkable movie. Um, this, huh? Hacksaw Ridge. Yeah, Hacksaw Ridge. This movie feels a little at the beginning like a Nicholas Sparks movie, and you're like, wait a minute, I've seen the trailer. This looks like a really intense war movie. And so it's this love story to, to, to show you who this guy is. This is a real guy that most people have never even heard of. He, he was a Medal of Honor winner and um, grew up in one of the Carolinas, I think, and was just a pacifist. His father was in World War I, never recovered from the scars of World War I, lost all of his friends, um, was seemingly... Uh, an alcoholic, I can't remember exactly, but he was, he was, in, he was not healthy. Um, and uh, at one point, he and his, uh, I think, brother were fighting, and he almost killed his brother by accident, and it freaked him out, and he ran in the hallway, and he was, he's reading the Ten Commandments, and thou shalt not kill, and he's like, I almost killed him. And his mother was like, it's okay, but it stuck with him. And so he became pacifist like crazy he didn't feel right about not serving in world war ii and his father was against it stay home stay home he's like i have to serve it's my country too and he's like you're not gonna fight and he said i will serve and he goes and he gets i think he's i think he's in the airborne and when they start he goes through everything but when it starts they start drilling with a gun he's like oh i can't take a gun they try to kick him out they try to court-martial him. It's a fascinating story. And then what he does when he gets to war, the, the entire military has turned against this guy. And they're like, you're going to get us killed. You're a traitor. You're a coward. This guy was everything but. It is the best war movie I've ever seen. And quite honestly, wow. makes any other war, makes Saving Private Ryan look tame. I mean, it is, it's Mel Gibson at his most brutal, but I believe that when you go, when you watch that, you believe, holy cow, that's what war is like. Not these Disney movies like Saving Private Ryan. Wow. This is what war must be like. Uh, Pretty powerful. It's Hacksaw Ridge and it opens um, this weekend. All right, our sponsor this half hour is American Financing. American Financing Corporation, NMLS 182334, www.nmlsconsumeraccess.org. All right, it it can be embarrassing sometimes. It feels like the best thing to do is ignore it, and you don't know what to do. That's the worst thing. 
I remember being in such debt, um, and you don't know what to do. And you're embarrassed, and you don't want to tell anybody, and you're thinking, if I can just get this one break. American Financing has another answer for you. They can consolidate your high-interest debt into one manageable monthly payment. Interest rates right now are an all-time low. It's a great time to refinance and consolidate your debts. And lowering your interest rate can save you as much as $500 to $1,000 a month. Call 866-750-6551, 866-750-6551. It's America's home for home loans, AmericanFinancing.net, AmericanFinancing.net. Glenn Beck. Want to see Glenn live? If you're coming to Texas, you can. Join us at Mercury Studios in Dallas for a taping of Glenn's television show. To reserve your seat, email tickets at glennbeck.com with your information. That's tickets at glennbeck.com. Mercury. The experts at Web.com want to build your business a successful website for free, just like we did for these current Web.com customers. We've used and and looked at other website designers, but there's nobody better than Web.com. Web.com can build your website in as little as seven days free. Plus, we'll promote it on all the major search engines like Google, Yahoo, and Bing. If after 30 days you're happy, we'll continue to provide promotion, hosting, support, and maintenance, all for one low monthly fee. If not, cancel and pay nothing. If you're in business today and you don't have a web presence, you won't be taken seriously. Call right now and you'll also get a free .com or .net domain name for your new website powered by VeriSign, the world's leading domain name provider. Call 800-490-1099 or go to web.com slash radio. That's 800-490-1099. No upfront charge for site build, after which ongoing fees apply. Rights to site are relinquished when canceled. Domain included during active service, after which fees apply. This is the Glenn Beck Program. No, it's just the easy way. We want to continue our conversation about, so what does that mean for us? What is that... How does what we do online, how is that affecting us and how is that playing out in our society? And what do you do? No jokes? That's not reasonable. I don't want to live in a world without jokes. So what do we do? This is the Glenn Beck Program. Mercury. We have Daryl Castle on in about a half hour. We have another scientist who last year, last week looked a little nuts. This week looks like he may be the man uh, who says Donald Trump is um, is going to be the president. He's got a different commuter, uh, computer model. We have another guy who I didn't really I didn't agree with him on his model. This guy's computer model: fifteen yes or no uh, questions, and he says it plays out correctly every single time. 
uh, I'm interested in talking to him because he looks like he may be very right when everybody else was wrong. Yeah, I mean, I mean, I did. Was he predicting in his model that the FBI would would reopen? No, but it doesn't matter. No, but no, but it just he wasn't smarter or dumber than he was last week because of this. No, I know. I'm saying I thought he looked dumb, but now maybe not so dumb. And that's what he says. None of those uh, real world situations matter in this formula. They don't matter. Anything can happen. The formula is what it is. If if these fourteen things really fascinated to talk to him, you got your winner. Yeah. So. So we'll talk to him uh, coming up in just a, uh, just a little while. Also, uh, is Evan McMullen going to come on? Because we have to stop this, uh, this gay rumor. I, I mean, I know somebody who dated him, so he's not gay. Um, but, uh, you know. No, I'm pretty sure that was a woman, too, so he's not gay. And okay. A, uh, really? But there's this, this nasty rumor. Do you have the audio? We want to play this yeah. and get back to that Facebook thing. Um, there's there's audio, a phone call that's going around. Now, this has been done by a state senator, a bishop, a bishop, a former bishop of the church, uh, said, you know, he's a 40-year-old guy that's not dating. Well, you're a 50-year-old man that's not dating and not married. What, what's the deal with you? But here's the latest phone call going around. Hello? My name is William Johnson. I'm a farmer and a white nationalist. Ah. I make this call against Evan McMullen and in support mm. of Donald Trump. Evan McMullen is an open borders amnesty supporter. Evan has two mommies. His mother is a lesbian married what? to another woman. Evan is okay with that. Indeed, Evan supports the Supreme... <laughs> What's he supposed to do about that? <laughs> Evan is okay with that. My mother. I, I am divorcing my mother and my other mother. <laughs> what, what are you supposed to do about it? Court ruling legalizing gay marriage. Evan is over 40 years old and is not married and doesn't even have a girlfriend. Uh-oh. I believe Evan is a closet homosexual. Holy Don't cow. vote for Evan McMullen. Vote for Donald Trump. He will respect all women and be a wow. president he we will? can all gosh. be proud of. Oh, my gosh. He'll respect <laughs> all wow. women. women. Forget about, forget, I mean... Really, look at where we're headed. I know. The truth doesn't even matter. A white (laughs) nationalist. He's identifying himself that way. It doesn't matter anymore. I I heard. Doesn't matter. As long as I agree with you on whatever, you can be whatever you want. Wow. Reporter said, you know what? This may not work on on all uh, Mormons. it's going to work on some Mormons. <laughs> I can't a white nationalist, a white nationalist. A candidate has two mommies. Is I mean, I guess Utah has an opportunity to uh, say whether this is going to work. Oh against my them. gosh! But I mean, what a bizarre so claim. So weird. What a bizarre thing. So anyway, we'll get into that. But I think this kind of goes back again to the Facebook argument that we've had that we're that I that I brought up about this this young girl college student gets into a car accident she slams into the back of a parked police cruiser because she's taking a topless selfie of herself uh and pat and i had this conversation because uh, i i was going to send it into the show so we could you know feast on that and laugh for a while and then i felt bad and i thought you know what we uh, i know we we are using people for our own entertainment and we're destroying, not, not us, but the whole society. We play a role in that. The whole society is just picking a target of the day and destroying them, calling them any name, calling them, you can be a closet homosexual, you whatever. You don't get your reputation back. Nobody comes back and says, hey, by the way, do we check that out? And that's not true. 
we checked that out. And this poor girl, she was going through something at the time or whatever. She just made the worst mistake of her life because she, she was just not too smart that night. But she's really good. We don't know anything about them. And we stamp them. And that's it. It's why the, is, remember, what was his name, the head of Google? Schmidt. Uh, yeah, Tim. Eric Schmidt. Eric Schmidt. Eric Schmidt said, the next generation, the generation that is now starting to come up and you know, will be in their 20s in five years, he said by the time they're 25, they're going to have to change their name because there will be so much bad on them on the Internet that you won't be able to survive. They won't get hired. By they, they need a new identity. But there's, a, there's three things, I think, to take into consideration uh, in addition to what you've said. And, and what you said, I, I, I agree with that. But there's also personal responsibility yes. on the part of the person who's taken the naked selfie in the car. Okay, She brought this on herself, for one thing. That doesn't mean wait, wait, we wait, have to wait, roast wait, wait, her. wait, 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 She brought on, she, what she brought on herself was slamming into the back of the police car. Right. The shame she has in her own circle. Okay. Yes, she but that's going to be news. And yeah. it's going to be talked about. Even the news is different now. You are known as, you are known from, from uh, San Diego to Maine. Well, yeah. Now in a joke. Yes, but I that mean, is, I you mean, that's part of what you risk when you do that. Clearly, uh, right? I, I mean, personal responsibility. Now, I don't, I don't think that means we need to mock her and and tear her limb from limb. It's our personal but, responsibility to handle it like adults. And, yes. And, and so and to I mean, use it as a cautionary tale rather than a joke, and to show where we're headed as a society. I think those three things are really important. I, and personal responsibility is almost paramount among them. So here's what here's what really played a role in this was. There's only, the, the word raka is in the Beatitudes, and it's the only time that the word raka is used in the Bible. It's Aramaic. And when it says, you know, he's talking about, you know, how you're going to be judged and harshly, and he talks about murder. You murder, and you're going to be judged. You call your brother raka, you will be judged. Wow, it's right next to murder. What is raka? Raka is Aramaic for basically airhead, stupid, fool, idiot. It means fool. fool. So I don't think look, it means idiot. I think you look, can call people idiots. Look, <laughs> look. Well, that's a surprise. Look at what we're calling someone an idiot mm-hmm. is the least of the charges. A man who calls his brother fool will answer to the judgment seat. Look how far past fool we are. And we're only doing it for entertainment. It doesn't mean anything to us. We're using these people and calling them names for our own agenda, our own purposes, our own entertainment. Worse, just clicks and likes. You want to be the one in your circle of friends that that sent this around, that everybody likes? Holy cow. I bring this up not because, A, I'm trying to change myself. And it's really hard. And I'm trying to change myself. I don't expect anybody else to follow me down this road. But I'm trying really hard because of me. I want to do it. The righteous, remember Paulina in Poland, the righteous among the nations. She said to me, The righteous didn't suddenly become righteous. They just refused to go over the cliff with everyone else. 
guys, we're at the cliff. We're gone over the cliff. Truth doesn't even matter anymore. When everyone is saying about that phone call, you know what you said, Stu? You know, this might work because of gay. And they, what gay? White nationalist. White nationalist. When we are, when facts don't mean anything, when the truth doesn't matter, we're way over that cliff. And what's happening to us is we're now traveling as a pack and we're doing it online. I just, I mean, we would never, we would never, how many of us would stand up if there were a hundred people when that girl walked on campus that a hundred people were surrounding her, pointing her finger and going, what a moron, what an idiot, slut, what a whore. As men, I know Jeffy will say no and he'll laugh it off, but I know he would even be leading the pack. All four of us as men would go rush to her side and say, back off. Even if we, we don't agree with what she did, we would never, ever be a part of a group surrounding her on campus. And this is just virtually surrounding her. And we feel good about it because we don't see the group that's around. We don't see her sitting in her bedroom or in her kitchen or whatever, just unable to stop reading the tweets about her. I was no one. Nobody nobody knew me. And now I'm the national laughingstock. Yeah, and it's up to us. I mean, first of all, as far as personal responsibility goes, it's up to us to put a little bit of a higher standard on on these stories. And that, like, if, if someone, this happened to someone that you loved, they did something, they tweeted a terrible joke and they were getting beat up on the internet. You would go to them and have them explain it. You would try to have, understand their side of the story. You likely would come up with some sort of justification into understanding, yes, it was a mistake, uh, but here's why it wasn't that bad or whatever. You need to apply that to people you don't know. Because, I mean, I know, I can tell you with the story we talked about with, the, with Justine Sacco is her name, and she was the one that was in the air and made the joke about Africa. When I saw that, and this is probably just a function of the job that we do here. But when I saw that, I thought to myself, wait a minute, that can't possibly be what she meant. What did she mean? You have to have that reaction instead of just immediately assuming the absolute worst about the person. Well, but, uh, but the girl who was driving her car and was taking a naked selfie of herself in the car and slammed to the back of the police officer. Huh. Yeah. No, yeah, that's I mean, exactly what she that's exactly what she was doing. Right. And so we don't have to assume. We didn't assume the worst. We know exactly what right. she was doing. Yeah. But I'm saying but if it was another- happening to my daughter and my daughter made that, I would be horrified. And I know that my daughter would be horrified and she wouldn't even probably be able to look me in the eye and she'd be like so embarrassed. And I would be saying to my friends and my friends would say, sorry, dude. Right, exactly. Because they would know. They would, and they would not treat it that way because they would think about someone they knew and they would understand it in that context. And, and that's, they would know that I was dying inside and she was dying inside. Now, I know that this is a, a tweet. Un, you know, unlikely thing for people to just take up. The other thing that might actually solve this over time is the idea that it just happens so much to everyone. I mean, the idea that you have to change your name when you're 25 indicates that you think that everyone else isn't going to have the same stuff. You know, it's like everyone's going to have this crap in their history. Everyone's going to be dealing with it. And at, that, at some point, it winds up not being a big deal. And I can tell you that from experience because when we first, got, when we first started the show, it was before the Internet and at least social media. 
um, was that big of a deal. And when when we first got the first few critical articles about us by you know uh, left wing groups and stuff, you you were like, whoa, what? Wait a minute, we got to answer this. We got to get out there and, and fight this. We got to get out there and talk about it. And and wait, that's not what we meant. Why don't they understand that? We need to convince them. That all, you know, a few months into it, it all is gone. I mean, people write this stuff on the on, on, to us on Twitter right. all the time, and, and I think they believe that they're going to be able to come up with this magical combination of words that's going to make me care about what they say about us. I am years and years and thousands of death threats past that. At no point do I give a crap what you say about us on the internet because we've had to go through it so long that it's not even a thing to me anymore. And I think for the average person who's not in the media, they're getting to that point more and more every day. You tweet something, people attack you for it. The, the, the conflict that it has become so second nature, I think, to everybody that I don't think it has as much effect anymore. I disagree only because I believe you're a leader. Most people are not leaders. They follow in a pack. So most people get their hands slapped and they learn, oh, I'll follow in that pack. And so I, I don't think people are as willing to take and get slapped in the face. They're much more willing to follow the crowd over the cliff. Back in a second. Now this. If you can handle a screwdriver and some measuring tape, you can install new custom blinds from blinds.com. Pat, Stu, and I all use blinds.com, and they have changed the window treatments uh, the way they are purchased by making them simple and mistake-free. Blinds.com has a 100% satisfaction guarantee. So even if you mismeasure, you pick the wrong color, they'll remake your blinds for free. So you can get made-to-order custom blinds without paying the custom prices at blinds.com. Now through November 31st, sorry, November 21st, buy three blinds and you'll get the fourth blind free. Go to blinds.com and use the promo code BECK and get the special offer. Three blinds, fourth blind is free. Only at blinds.com with a promo code BECK. Rules and restrictions may apply. It's blinds.com. Glenn Beck program. Triple eight seven two seven back. Mercury. So Alan West ran a story last night. Hillary just got some very bad news from black voters. And Stu, I'd like you to look into this because I heard this from two sources yesterday. Is this the uh, North Carolina and Florida early voting stuff? No. Because um, it, it is what, what it looks like is Hillary Clinton is outperforming among Latino voters and underperforming with black voters from uh, where Obama was. So um, she and this is. But is he overperforming? He is, uh, well... Is he overperforming no, he or where not, he thought he was? No, the issue here is turnout. So it looks like, I mean, for example, there's a poll that was released uh, at last, uh, a few days ago. Uh, it, I think it was Pennsylvania, where he was, Donald Trump was losing black voters in Pennsylvania 90 to 1. Oof. Um, so, okay, so here's, this is, this is it. This is in Pennsylvania. Um, this is a story that... Um, it looks like uh, 33%, I think, or 29%. He is leading uh, 
the vote, or he's getting 29% of the black vote in oh. Pennsylvania. Well, I mean, I, I've not seen it. I mean, I haven't seen that. I don't know that particular story. So, I mean, I certainly want to, I would have to see it and check it out. I mean, if he gets 29% of the black vote in any state, he's almost definitely going to be president. I mean, I, right. I, um, I think the issue here is that he's been, he's probably not going to do that much better percentage wise. Um, but the problem is for, uh, for Hillary is that the black vote is not, is turning, not turning out. So the 90 to 1 means less than 90 to 1 would in previous elections. Correct. She needs to make that up with Latinos. So far, she's been able to do that, but it's turning. The Glenn Beck Program. Mercury. We are a week away from the election. People who are voting for Hillary have made their decision. I think some of them may be reevaluating that. Um, those who have, are voting for Trump have made their decision. Uh, and the rest of us may not be quite so sure what to do. I read a, um, a story today in Vice about the do's and don'ts about write-ins. You don't necessarily want to write somebody in unless you know the state rules because uh, you can elect Batman, but Batman can't serve. Uh, also, they won't count it. Yeah, they won't count it. In Texas, unless they're an official write-in candidate, right. they won't count the and that's vote. what they're talking about. So yeah. you can't just draft somebody. If you want to go and just vote for Mickey Mouse, that's Mickey Mouse. But I actually want to vote for somebody that I want to vote for. It's down to two people. Um, I said when I was on Vice a few weeks ago that I was going to go with the Constitution Party, Daryl Castle, uh, as president. Um, however, I, I, I would like to talk to him some more. Yesterday, I didn't think we could get a hold of him. I, we, I know we had tried to get him on and we couldn't get a hold of him. Uh, that was misinformation. He had already been on with Pat and Stu. Uh, and they had a great conversation with him. I found out last night I've now endorsed Evan McMullen, which I didn't know. But I also yeah. endorsed Hillary Clinton, right? which I didn't know. Kind of a quandary. I'm not going to endorse anyone. I'm just looking for somebody I can vote for. So we go to the Constitution Party. The nominee for president is Daryl Castle. He joins us right now. of entertainment and enlightenment. This is the Glenn Beck Program. Welcome to the program, Daryl Castle. Oh, thank you very much. I'm glad to be with you. Um, the, uh, the, the platform, in a nutshell, as I understand it, I'd like you to go through it. Audit the Fed, withdraw from the UN, fight Agenda 21, mm. be pro-life, and adhere to the U.S. Constitution. Pretty simple, well, but do you want to except, expand? Except for uh, auditing the Fed, you're exactly right. Oh, you don't want to audit the Fed? No, I want to end the Fed. <laughs> yeah, I okay, all right. All right, that. end the Fed. Um, uh, you want to, explain, want to expand on any of these? Well, I'll expand on anything that, uh, that you would uh, like me to expand on, but uh, I've done numerous 
uh, podcasts and so forth on on all of those positions uh, in so the last go, few months. Let me play. Let me play devil's advocate um, and the Fed. How can? How do you think you could possibly, as president, end the Fed? Well, I couldn't. Uh, it would take an act of Congress. It would be very simple. Congress would just have mm-hmm. to uh, repeal the Federal Reserve Act, and it would be done. Uh, and obviously, they would be forced to return to the Constitution and retake control of the monetary system themselves. But if uh, if I were elected president, I mean, it's quite obvious what I stand for. So uh, the people uh, would have to to rise up and uh, and uh, turn up the heat on Congress, as Harry Truman said. When you turn up the heat, they see the light. Uh, but uh, I couldn't do it by myself. No, Congress would have to act. Daryl, I'm I'm uh, currently being called a globalist by those who are supporting Donald Trump. Um, I couldn't be further from a globalist. I believe in free trade. Do you? Yes, I do. Okay. Um, and I can explain that if you would like. Go ahead. I, mean, I, I believe in free trade. Uh, I believe that the United States should uh, should trade freely with Mexico, Chile, or and other countries. Uh, that it does now. I just don't believe in free trade agreements. Uh, unlike your, uh, uh, your your friend, Evan McMullen, I'm opposed to the uh, Trans-Pacific Partnership and other free trade agreements because they transfer American sovereignty to, right. to bureaucracies and corporations totally unaccountable to the American people. I don't think that's necessary or wise. That is my belief on TPP as well. It is transferring too much sovereignty. Um, the um, uh, you want to withdraw from the UN? Is there no reason to have an international body and an international community like that? Well, there may be plenty of reasons to have an international body, but uh, the United Nations is does some really horrible things. It's not compatible with the American way of life. Uh, agenda Agenda Twenty One. It's uh, it's depopulation agenda. Many things like that. Uh, I just want this country to be free and independent again and able to chart its own course in the world. Like I said before, I, I'm all for trade. I, I believe trade brings friendship and it brings uh, economic prosperity and so forth for uh, people around the world, all up and down the economic spectrum. So I'm all for uh, interacting with the world. Uh, just not in a, uh, in a situation where uh, the American Constitution is is called into question and actually superseded by international bureaucrats. I, I'm about tired of that. Plus, the United Nations has had us almost continually at war since 1945, and uh, we haven't won very many of them. So um, I'm for ending that. I, 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 I'm for a different way of life. Darrell, you also seem to be the strongest candidate who's who's running for president on on immigration. Tell us, tell us your stand on the border and, and what you would do with the 20 million illegal aliens that are here, and what, what would you do on the border? Well, on the border, I, it's my position that uh, we should enforce the immigration laws that we have now in an effort to secure the border. I would do, as president, whatever it took. I just consider it my, my sworn duty as, as president of this country to, to secure the border by whatever means prove necessary. And I think before we start doing uh, radical things like building a wall, uh, and I, I will say I, I would do that if that's what it took, but just enforce the immigration laws that we have in place right now. 
and uh, empower the the border patrol and and uh, uh, associated authorities to to secure the border. And once we do that, so that we know who's coming across, uh, we can admit as many people as we want. But we would hopefully know whether those people are terrorists or not. The um, situation over in the Middle East with ISIS, Daryl. What do we do? Well, uh, you know, I've uh, read where uh, Donald Trump constantly keeps saying he wants to he wants to destroy ISIS and so forth. And I mean, that's fine. Who doesn't? Um, Mr. McMullen says he would uh, commit ground forces in an offensive against ISIS. I I wouldn't do that. I mean, I don't really understand the entire mentality that we're uh, applying in Syria. I mean. Number one, uh, what business is it of ours? Uh, who runs Syria? I mean, the Assad families run Syria for some 50 years now, but all of a sudden uh, we cannot tolerate this man Assad a day longer. Uh, and if the Russians want to fight ISIS, uh, I mean, who cares? <laughs> Why not? Uh, but I'm not uh, in favor of uh, of ground troops in Syria, and I'm not in favor of what Mrs. Clinton uh call for a uh, no-fly zone. She tried to walk that back a little bit in the last debate when she w- it was pointed out that the chairman of the Joint Chiefs of Staff said that would mean war with Russia. Uh, you always have to ask yourself what the end game is going to be when uh, you have to yeah. confront Russian aircraft. All these confrontations and so forth, uh, it seemed to me, are, are unnecessary. We could devote a whole show sometime to talking about Russia if you wanted to, but... Uh, the long and short of it is, uh, I'm not in favor of, uh, of submit, uh, committing ground troops to Syria right now. I don't see the need for it. Is Putin a friend, a foe? What is he? Uh, who knows, you know. Uh, what was it uh, uh, Winston Churchill said about Russia? Uh, but... Uh, I mean, I don't know if he's a friend or a foe. I know that he seems to love his own country and be trying to protect his own country, and I know that uh, I have a certain degree of sympathy with with that because uh, uh, of Russia's history. You know, they uh, every time they they look to the to the west, they see tanks, and uh, they remember the German invasion and many, many, many before that. And now German tanks are messing around on their border again. I don't blame them for being nervous about that. Uh, it's not Russia that's in Mexico. It's not Russia that's in Canada. But NATO and the United States and the European Union are at Russia's border. Who wouldn't be nervous about that? Well, I mean, when Poland asks NATO and the United States to be there, uh, yeah, because no, they're they always afraid. do. Uh, they always ask. And uh, uh, I, uh, I've gotten a few calls in the campaign from Polish people who uh, who are very nervous about it. Um, but, uh, you know, those types of things are easy to manipulate. I, You know, the first thing we think about is, uh, is confrontation and war. Uh, I just suspect that Poland would be sitting there just as happy as they could be if NATO and, uh, and the Union had not pushed to the borders of Russia, which we promised them we wouldn't do when... Uh, Reagan and Gorbachev uh, had their meeting, but nevertheless, uh, that's the way I see it. I, I would mean, you... I would take whatever action uh, necessary to protect this country, 
But right now, um, you know, I think uh, these constant confrontations with sanctions and pushing the Russian economy to the brink and so forth, uh, as Roosevelt did with the Japanese, and I'm not saying that wasn't necessary, I'm just saying uh, it, it oftentimes leaves a, a desperate country with only one uh, uh, choice. And uh, you always okay. want to leave your opponent a way out. Other than uh, trade, would you consider yourself isolationist? No, I wouldn't. What What would you consider yourself, and what's the difference between you and an isolationist? Uh, well, um, isolationist, you know, uh, let's withdraw to the borders and build Fortress America. Uh, but um, the opposite of that, people often uh, accuse me of isolation because I don't choose war. The opposite of war is peace, not isolation. Um, I don't want to withdraw to the borders in this totally uh, interconnected world with instantaneous communication that we have now. It's ridiculous to to think of such a thing, but neither do I. Uh, I mean, would you, uh, any of the countries around the world who don't have the military power that the United States has, uh, don't constantly intervene militarily every time they see a rattlesnake's nest in some other part of the world? Mm-hmm. Mm. Uh, Daryl, every uh, conservative or someone who thinks themselves conservative wants to lower taxes in some way. We'll hear either lowering rates or we'll go to a flat tax or a consumption tax. Your tax plan is different than all of those. Can you kind of ex- explain it and walk through it? Yes. Uh, my tax plan is different, and it seeks to uh, to free the American people to keep all their income. That would be pretty sweet. Uh, <laughs> yeah. But it also... Uh, uh, empowers the states, which is the original intent of this Constitution and this uh, union that the states entered into originally, it returns sovereignty to the states because uh, the uh, the taxes, the budget would be apportioned like the census to the various states. So if your state of Texas, for example, had 5% of the nation's population, uh, it would uh, Texas would be required to produce 5% of the budget and Texas could do that as itself fit. It could exploit its own uh, best uh, resources. It's its natural resources, or it's uh, you could build a toll road across the state and charge tourists a dollar and charge Texans ten cents, or however it wanted to raise that money. Uh, and each state could do that as uh, you know, natural resources in Alaska, tourism in Hawaii and Florida, gambling in Nevada, and uh, each state could raise the money as itself fit. And the states. Uh, their representatives would be under pressure from the people to hold down the federal budget, not make it bi- uh, bigger. And every time uh, mm. the federal government decided that they, they wanted to go fight somebody somewhere, uh, they would have to tell the states, look, folks, we're going to need another trillion dollars to go fight these people. Uh, and the states might say, well, let's let's take a hard look at whether we really need to fight these people or not. Um, because uh, the pressure would be on a lower budget, not a higher budget, and it, the states would be free, the federal government coming to them for the money rather than the other way around. So to me, uh, it seems like a wonderful system, especially when you consider my overall platform, that there'd be so much less government to to fund. Daryl, the reason why I, um, and I've got about 90 seconds to answer this, the reason why yesterday I said I don't know who I'm going to vote for, because I said that I was probably going to vote for you, um, is because I didn't think that you were serious about uh, uh, really running. This, what, what do you, 
you've dedicated your life for how many years to this? And where are you going to be, you know, on, uh, what are you going to be doing on November 9th? Well, I'm going to be sitting in my law office like I am right now, practicing law and taking care of my clients and so forth. That's what I do for a living. Um, but, uh, and that's where I personally am going to be unless I'm elected president. And if I do, I'll probably be, uh, uh, well, I don't know. (laughs) That would be a a whole nother thing. But I I mean, I'll just go back to my law practice, assuming I don't win the election. But you're uh, one of the founders of the Constitution Party, right? Yes, I am. And, and, and what drove you to that? How many years ago? Well, we founded it in 1992, uh, started in the latter months of 91. Uh, what drove me to it, uh, uh, I was uh, planning to not vote in that election, and a dear gentleman who became a good friend of mine uh, convinced me that his efforts to, fund, to start a third party could meet with some success. Uh, we thought that uh, when people saw our platform, uh, and and who we were and what we were trying to do, they would leave the Republican Party and join us. But uh, uh, we didn't. We kind of underestimated the enemy strength, I guess. But we did it because we believed that the uh, Democrat and Republican Party would never take the nation where it needed to be, and that it would gradually, little by little, election by election, get worse and worse. And nah, uh, we were right in that regard. <laughs> no, that hasn't happened at all. I don't yeah. know what you're talking about. Um, Daryl, thank you very much. I appreciate it. You're, are you on the ballot in all 50 states? or? or no, what? I'm not, Glenn. I'm on the ballot in 24 states as a name, and I'm on the ballot in 23 other states as a registered write-in. Okay, so you could write in or you can, uh, or you can pull the lever as it'll be on the ballot. And how can people help? Where, where do you go if you want to donate or volunteer? Well, you can go to my website, which is castle2016.com, and that will give people an opportunity to send me uh, money, which is always welcome. Uh, <laughs> and uh, they can and go out on the 2016 election day, as I hope you will do, and uh, do the right thing and vote for me because uh, this country would be in far better shape if uh, most people would do that. And it, I could wake up on November 9th and actually be president, and this country, the people of this country, out there listening right now, could, in effect, uh, start a bloodless revolution. Even our own revolution was bloody, but this could be bloodless, and the world would never be the same, I can assure you. Uh, and uh, everybody would be happy. All right, I, know I, got I appreciate go. it. No, 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 I appreciate it. Thank <laughs> you very much. Daryl Castle from the Constitution uh, Party. Don't throw your vote away. If you believe in somebody, then vote for them, no matter who they are. Hillary people, you look at it, write in Bernie Sanders, go for Jill, go for the Libertarian. Write in or vote your conscience. He's right. It just gets worse and worse and worse. And now this. The recent hurricane that hit the East Coast, devastating. When someone like when something like that happens, everybody wants to help Unfortunately, there's a growing number of people around the world that are cyber criminals who like to do the opposite, take advantage of generous people by sending them phishing emails and text messages that claim to come from charitable organizations. Be careful about the links that you click on in an email or a text message and make sure that you have LifeLock. If you're a LifeLock member and you become a victim of identity theft, their U.S.-based team will work to resolve your case. Free credit monitoring only detects credit problems. 
but LifeLock helps detect and fix identity problems. And nobody can prevent all identity theft and all transactions can't be monitored at all businesses. But with LifeLock, you have the best protection. Membership start at $9.99 a month plus sales tax. Go to LifeLock.com or call 800-440-4936. Use the promo code BECK. Get 10% off your LifeLock Ultimate Plus membership. 800-440-4936 or visit LifeLock.com. 800-440-4936. This is the Glenn Beck Program. Mercury. Beck program. I mean, this is just where you're not going to get, you know, you're never going to, you're never going to get to somebody who you love everything about. Right. It's just, can you get to the balance of them? Hillary and Trump, I can't get to, I can't get to 30%. I mean, Hillary, I can't get to 5%. Donald, I don't think I can get to 5 or 10%. Um, so where do you go? Where do you go? You got to start now looking and saying, okay. What is the percentage? Can I at least get over 50%? Can I get to 70% of agreeing with a man's policies when I truly understand them? Not what they say, but what they really mean. Back in a minute. The Glenn Beck Program. I want to I want to talk to you I want to tell you a story about Myrna uh, she is a Christian uh, from uh, Syria I'm sorry from Iraq and uh, she's a young daughter family dad uh, was a you know hard-working dad they had a decent living in Iraq Isis comes in chases the family. Um, luckily, they're one of the few that got out to um, uh, Jordan. And the Christian uh, family gets across the border, and now they're in a refugee camp. If you know anything about Jordan, uh, Jordan is made up a lot of refugee camps. Uh, they, the Palestinians, the displaced Palestinians, and they're not allowed to mix back into society. So these Palestinians have been there for generations, and they're not allowed to mix in and become Jordanian, even though they were born in Jordan. So Jordan will be nice and bring people in, but then you're isolated and you remain in the camp. So dad can't work. No one can work. The conditions are not well. Mercury One has, we've provided, I think, 11, 11,000 11, uh, people with food um, and sustenance. We got to their camp. 
in Jordan, and it was in, in pretty bad shape. And Myrna, <clears throat> Myrna was crippled with pain, and we find out that she has a brain tumor, and it's growing behind her eye, and um, it's causing her excruciating pain, and, you know, she's going to lose her eye uh, and uh, be blind in both eyes. If she goes blind, if she, A, she has to have something done, um, but if she has this really bad camp surgery, she'll be blind. Uh, and she also, um, uh, the, the, also the, the problem is if, if it lets it grow, there's a possibility that she doesn't live, a good possibility that she doesn't live, but a guarantee that she's blind in both sides. So she has to do something because in this society, a blind woman is at the very lowest of the ladder. If you're in anywhere in the Middle East, you're a woman, you're in trouble. But you're blind, you have no life. So we found out about it, and we found a doctor in a hospital that would treat her outside of the camp, but it was $1,500 to have brain surgery in Jordan, $1,500. No one could afford it. Wow. So... We got her out of the camp, brought her into the hospital, and brought the priest with her. Uh, and her father and her priest prayed over her uh, before she had surgery. She went in, uh, she had the surgery, and she is now fully recovered and out of pain entirely and has her life back as much as she can. You don't know the difference that you have made in people's lives. Um, you really have been remarkable, anybody who gave to the Nazarene Fund. Um, you have saved and moved to safety, as of, uh, as of this week, 4,000 people. Many of them have been moved to Australia. Australia opened its doors to the refugees, the Christian refugees, um, and has been really good. There have been other countries that have taken... Uh, whole parishes, There's, mainly these are Arabic-speaking um, Christians, Orthodox Christians, uh, Catholics. Uh, and, um, uh, and Brazil has done this and has adopted these groups. America hasn't taken any. Um, but that's what we expect nowadays, unfortunately, from America. We have a couple of things that we're trying to do. Um, we are trying to open up one more country um, that uh, everybody has told me is impossible. And we so far have an agreement, but it is so dicey that we're unwilling to say anything about it until it actually happens. And it's going to take extraordinary sums of money um, because they also are people that are willing to um, not only take these people, but they're willing to take uh, the hardest hit. They're willing to take the people who are like Myrna. Um, we have another woman right now who has a growth the size of a baseball um, uh, in her brain, and it is um, benign, but she obviously has to have it removed, and no one will take her because she's currently in Iraq, and so she can't go anywhere. Um, we can't get her to, uh, I think, India 
is saying that they may take her and let her go in the hospital. But if you're in Iraq, they're not letting you out. Um, and we have one country that may do this, but it's going to cost us a lot of money to pull this off and to get these people in. And there are children that have got to get to a hospital. Um, and um, we would sure like your help on this project. Uh, you can donate at mercuryone.org slash Nazarene Fund. Whereas we once had $12 million. We're down to... Th- That's down to three, three now, I think. I think. Yeah. We spent $9 million in the effort for the 4,000 so far. Yeah, 4,000 and the 11,000 that have right. also have been fed, fed you know, yeah. food and everything else. Um, it's quite remarkable what you're doing. We're also trying to rebuild some of the churches or at least help them on their feet so they can rebuild some of these churches. Some of these churches, the ones that we're looking at right now, are, are shrines and literally from the year 400. These are some of the first Christians um, in what it was, I think, ancient Persia at the time. Um, and so this is the, the, these are the places where the apostles actually went and visited, the plains of Nineveh. Um, and we're trying to help them as the, some of them are coming back in um, and, <clears throat> and rebuild. We would love to get your help. Yeah, this weekend, I painted a couple of paintings, and I'm painting some stuff for a couple of sets, and I painted one painting that's behind me now of the uh, Chrysler building that uh, in the fog. And I just painted it um, kind of for fun. And I posted it up online and somebody said, hey, I'll, I'll buy that from you. Uh, and I decided I would auction it off uh, for the Nazarene Fund uh, as of last night. Uh, and I got a $10,000 bid. I got two $10,000 bids on this. Um, one person wrote and said, I will bid... 10000 for that, um, but I would rather have the other one that you painted. And this one was not for sale. This is uh, another painting that if you're watching television or watching it online, it's um, uh, the wet street uh, of San Francisco at night. Um, and I really, li- I really like that painting. I don't know if I can ever yeah, paint that again. I really love that painting. It's either from somebody who is very uh, nearsighted and uh, all the lights are blurry. <laughs> Or, so I learned, or it's a camera out of focus. I learned that if I if I use <laughs> pictures that are out of focus, uh-huh. and it's easier uh, to paint, it's easier to paint. Or if I use fog, it's easier to paint. <laughs> uh, and uh, so I'm so, not stupid. Really, this could be any city that you want it to be. Yeah, it's right. It also looks, you know, if you're drunk, it also the world looks like that. As I well. have seen the world yes, looking like, like that. that many times. So anyway. Um, I put them up for auction, put the other one up for auction, and uh, that went for $10,000. Uh, and somebody else offered $10,000 for this one, but this one was not up for bid. So I'm wondering, should I take the $10,000 for this, or should we open it up to a larger audience and see if we can... If I'm going to sell it, I love that painting. If I'm going to sell it for the Nazarene Fund, can we get more than $10,000? Because you can write it off tax-free. We should see. Oh, yeah. Open it up. You don't want to keep that piece. That's nothing. <laughs> oh, but I could sell it now open for ten grand. Ah, open it up. <laughs> open it up, and if it doesn't open go higher than ten thousand, sell it for ten thousand. Yeah. All right. Yeah, look, if it doesn't go higher yeah. than ten thousand, the guy that offered you the ten grand will still. I take mean, it's it. for the Nazarene Fund. Yeah, it's for the Nazarene Eight. Fund. Can we put? How can we do this where it's just not because I'm hunting and pecking through Facebook? How can we do this? Put it on eBay. Can you do that for us? All right. Will you let us know where you're going to put it? 
All right, so we'll start the bidding at 10000 for that one because we already have a $10,000 bid. So we'll start the bid for 10000 on that one. And this one was sold, and I'll get the name here in a second, but uh, the Chrysler building was sold. And uh, if somebody wants to pay me another $10,000, I'll paint another Chrysler building for $10,000 too. I mean, I'd like to make a lot of money to help the Nazarene fund. Um, will, will, will the next one be in the, in the fog like this one? Or? The next one will be in the yeah, fog we'll like this, this one, one, but I think better. I, I learned a lot after this one. I can do, I can do this one better. That one, well, I that guy's I pissed off now. Wait, yeah. what? <laughs> I got the crappy one? I got the first one. Oh, yeah, you got the first one. That's a, I mean, yeah, it's that's a beautiful true. painting. The other one, the San Francisco one, I don't know if I can do it. I don't know if I can do that one again. I, that one I lucked out on. Um, but anyway, um, we'll let you know on uh, eBay, uh, and all the proceeds will go to the Nazarene Fund, and we sure would appreciate your help on that. Also, another way you can help is we are doing our uh, Mercury One get-together. We do we this have. once a year, right? Yeah, once it a year. It only yes. happens once, and, yeah. and this pays for all the administrative stuff. Yeah, and so this is what we use to pay for, you know, the lights and the salaries and everything else. And, uh, and this year, um, Chuck Norris and his wife, who come every year, they're going to be there. Yeah, they do. And they're really nice. Um, uh, I'm, I'm going to be there. Tanya and I are your hosts, but the MC is Dana. You guys are also going to be there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's a, it's a nice night just to get together and, and mingle and have a good time and, you know, yeah. auction off historic items and everything else. And all the proceeds go to help. Uh, Mercury One. So if you would like to join us on that, tickets are still available. You can go to m uh, mercuryone.org slash, I think it's M1, M1 ball. ball. Yeah, Saturday, November 19th. And by the way, you can also, if you can't do that, for $100, you can buy a raffle ticket where you might win a Mercedes. Last year, we gave away a Mercedes. Mercedes of Plano has been so nice to us. And they give us a Mercedes every year. And uh, we auction them off, or not auction them off, we raffle them off. And so you buy a $100 raffle ticket, and somebody who wasn't at the ball last year won. We only sell up to 5,000 tickets. Right now, I think we've only sold 800 tickets. And so it's a really good, you got a really good shot of winning a brand new Mercedes. Um, but it's $100 a ticket, and we would love to have you involved in that. And uh, who knows, you might drive away with a brand new Mercedes, or you'll find one in your mailbox. If you can't make it down to Texas, we'll somehow or another ship that up to you. All right. Sponsor this half hour is uh, Simply Safe. I know a man who changed the industry, but he actually didn't set out to change an industry. He actually set out to, um, to help his friends who were in trouble. There were, they were living in a bad neighborhood, and their houses kept getting robbed, and they were all in college. I think he went to MIT or to Harvard. And um, everybody was getting robbed, and they couldn't put an uh, alarm system in the house because it wasn't their house they were renting, and so they couldn't wire the house. He said, I can build a system for you, and it'll all be wireless. Well, he did it for a few friends, and then everybody in the neighborhood wanted one, and he kept making it better and better and better, and all of a sudden he realized, I have a business and that is revolutionizing the world and the, the world of um, home alarm systems. The entire idea is how I can make this simple. Because he didn't start from uh, an alarm system and work his way back. 
he started by talking to his friends, and the friends were, I can't afford a lot. I need cheap monitoring. I need it to work every time. I need the windows. I need the, the alarm for fire. I need, I need everything. But I need to make sure that I can alert police. And I can't drill any holes in the wall. And I don't want a contract. He did all of those things. For $14.99 a month, no long-term contract. And you own the system. And there's no pushy sales guys. It's simplysafebeck.com. SimplySafeBeck.com. Go there now. Get free shipping on your order and a free keychain remote. We're $25. It's SimplySafeBeck.com. Go there now. You're listening to the Glenn Beck Program. The Glenn Beck Program. I will be Mercury. You're listening to the Glenn Beck Program. By the way, if you are... um if you're looking, you want to bid on eBay. Uh, we don't have the address yet, but we will have it, and uh, I'll uh, we'll we'll uh, post it at glenbeck.com and on my Facebook page once we once we have it. We appreciate your help um, uh, with that. It is going to be um, a good holiday season and a good uh, next year for being able to help people. I think there are going to be a number of people that are going to need um, uh, help. And there's an easy way for us to come back together, even though I don't think anybody wants to right now. What do you think happens next week? I mean, I talked to a friend last night. He said he thought um, Donald Trump wins big. And if he, how if, he I lose? think if either how, he's I, up against I mean, a freaking person who's under FBI investigation, I know you lose. Yeah, I, I think he wins. I, he has to win at this point. But, so, but big because bigly, if one of them, if it's a tight race, you know, is fraud is going to be. That's called. Be anyway. I, I don't know if if I don't know if Hillary would play that card. I, I don't know. Um, Trump certainly it's would. Really, oh, I don't he's already played the cards. I don't so. think she will. It's not Trump bashing. He's already played the card, yeah. so that's not bashing him. Yeah, you're not, but you're not going to. She's not going to play that card because everybody will say, it, uh, "Hello, it was it was I don't the know, FBI investigation." FBI investigation, right? Right. That guy is in so much trouble if she wins. Comey. Oh, oh man! Oh my gosh! Well, I think he's done as FBI oh, yeah. director. Yeah. Might as well clean out his desk in the next two months. Well, you know, it's it's the Don't difference between the it's meeting. the Justice Department. It's really not the FBI. It appears to be the Justice Department that is completely in the bag, and you would expect it with Eric Holder and then Lynch, of course. Right. Justice Department is is wholly political now, and they are the ones that have told the FBI stand down on the Clinton Foundation as well. The Glenn Beck Program. Mercury. 
We have a, a professor who has correctly predicted the last 30 presidential uh, elections. And he says Donald Trump is going to be the next president, whether you like it or not, no matter, no matter what happens. He says he has a system that he feeds into a computer model of 15 yes or no questions, and it never fails to predict the president of the United States. We begin with him right now. of entertainment and enlightenment. This is the Glenn Beck Program. Welcome to the program. Glad you're here. We have a distinguished professor of history, Alan Lichtman. He is from American University. He has a new book, Protecting the, uh, Predicting the Next President, The Keys to the White House in 2016. He has looked at every presidential election from 1860 to 1980 to create a system that has now correctly predicted every election from 84 to 2012. He says there are 13 keys. He's here to tell us about them. Hello, Alan. How are you? Good morning. Doing great, Glenn. And you? Very good. Can you tell me what are the 13 keys here? Absolutely. And uh, as you say, these are historically based, and they're based on the proposition that uh, elections primarily turn on the strength and performance of the party holding the White House. That's what the keys focus on. First is uh, midterm elections. Second is internal party contest. Third is sitting president. Fourth is third party. Fifth is is the economy in election year recession. So hang on, but instead of instead of just listing them, let's go through each of them. Start yes. at the beginning and cuz they're yes or no questions, right? Correct. So tell us why these are important, what they mean and and how you answered them. Go ahead. Yes. Start at the beginning. All right. And remember, the way the system works if six or more go against the party in power, if six or more are false, they're predicted losers. So mm. number 1 is midterm elections. Obviously the Democrats got pasted in 2014, so that one is false. Key number two is a, is a real puzzler. It's the internal party contest. And certainly uh, Sanders gave Clinton a contest, but it was never really in doubt, and he didn't take it to the convention, unlike, say, Ted Kennedy against Jimmy Carter in 1980. So I don't rate that one right now as false. Key three, sitting president. Obviously, Barack Obama is running again. You have an open seat. That's false. Key four, third party. Uh, so far, Gary Johnson has been running way ahead of what any libertarian has ever done. So at the moment, that's what is false. But it's looking a little shaky. He may be fading away. Key five, whatever you may think of the economy, it's obviously not in recession. That's true. So we're down three, possibly. Uh, next key is long-term economy, and that looks at this term compared to the previous two terms. And previous two terms span the Great Recession, so that one is true. Then we have uh, the, the more judgmental keys, the policy change key. Well, Obama won that last term with the Affordable Care Act, but with gridlock in Washington, no big policy change. That's four down. And this is my favorite key, the scandal key, but it only pertains to the sitting president, not to the two candidates. You could probably mm. pay scandals on both of them. Then the social unrest key, and we're talking about 
cities being in flames in the 1960s. You've had some sporadic protests, but nothing like that. So that is true. So we're still down four. Then we have the foreign policy failure key, the Bay of Pigs, Pearl Harbor, 9-11. Again, whatever you may think of the foreign policy, it's not anything like that. But the next key is foreign policy Hmm. success, and they haven't nailed that yet. So that's five down. We're almost done. Key number 12 asks whether the sitting uh, party's candidate, party in power's candidate, Hillary Clinton, is a a once-in-a-generational inspirational candidate like a Kennedy or Reagan. So that one's false. So we're now down six. And the final key Mm. asks whether, because they always favor the party in power, Mm. whether the challenging party candidate is not charismatic. Well, Donald Trump is charismatic to a certain base, but you've got to be broadly charismatic to win that key. So I rate that one true. So that's exactly I'm very shaky six keys down because of that third party that could fade away. Mm. So if that were to fade before the election, would you change your prediction? I could. I could. You know, the polls are all over the place on Gary Johnson. And I, you know, I don't yeah. have a crystal ball to see how I'll come out on election. Plus, as you know, Glenn, this is an unprecedented election. We've never seen an election like this, quite frankly. <laughs> A generic Republican, a John Kasich, a Marco Rubio, a Jeb Bush, the prediction would be a lot more solid than an out-of-the-box candidate like Donald Trump, who could snatch. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Say that again, please. (laughs) (laughs) I will say it again. Based on the study of history, Glenn, and that's what I do, this should be a change election. A generic Republican like a John Kasich, a Marco Rubio, or a Jeb Bush would be a clear predicted winner, but you don't have that. You have uh-huh. Donald Trump, who is a candidate breaking all historical boundaries and could take what should be a very good year for Republicans and turn it into defeat. Mm. Now, how would that happen according to you? According to I, I like the fact that you are hard fast on your rules, but Correct. you do recognize that this is, for instance, third party you know, that question, I know yours applies to the sitting president and the sitting party of power. But, Correct. you know, I believe you could make a case you have a you have more than one third party. And the biggest third party is the one inside of the Republican Party, because, you, well, that, you, you know, you, you split the party and, you know, you analyze it on your terms. As you say, I've got to stick to my system, mm-hmm. and I've never hedged it. You know, I've been doing this for more than 30 years, and I've never hedged a prediction, even after the disastrous first debate for Barack Obama in 2000, I stuck to my guns. But this election is so out of the box. Look, you know, I, I don't look in a crystal ball. I'm not, you know, I don't have a pipeline to the almighty like Ben Carson. I can only base it on history, <laughs> and Trump could be a history breaker, let's face it. Now, do you, have you, it's been right every time, right? Every time, yeah, have and, you, you know, in the face of a lot of criticism. Have you example, also uh, have you also applied it to past elections, like uh, you, you know, before you were born? How far back does it go? Well, there are no elections before I was born, but no, I'll tell, <laughs> tell you anyway. Uh, the system was developed based on it was developed in eighty one. Okay. Uh, based on elections from 1860 to 1980. But unlike some okay. yeah, other that's what I thought. You know, fairly sloppy forecasters, I'm very careful to distinguish 
between the base years when I went back retrospectively to develop the system and yeah. forward-looking predictions. I actually got into a big fight with uh, Nate Silver over that in 2011. <laughs> so <laughs> there's the, 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 the greatest Great civil war happening among, I know, between polling geeks right now. There's this like unseen civil war that's actually more interesting than the Republican Party civil war right now, I think. Um, it's fascinating. Got to run. <laughs> Um, quick question for you because really the determining factor on your prediction is this third party uh factor yeah about six weeks ago gary johnson was at 9.2 percent on average uh and now has dropped to 4.6 percent on average what is the cutoff below the threshold yeah is it five percent i I might change my prediction Mm. Is it five percent? Is that the is that the threshold? Five percent. He's right at around, mm. as you say, mm. around at five percent. You know, tenths. He's within tenths. Alan, I know. Yeah, do you have five more minutes for us or not? I, I've got two more minutes. I've got two to do more a minutes. Fox. Okay, uh, can I? On, bigger name on the other line. I understand. Yeah, no, so, Alan, help me out on this. Um, the um, uh, you're a history professor. Correct. Can you look at what is happening in our country and now project past the uh, the presidential election and tell me what time period we look to be approaching? That's such a good question. I'll take a couple of minutes to answer it. First, uh, one of the things that we don't know, is this a permanent shift in our politics or is this an aberration is this an anomaly? Not only in terms of the candidates, but also in terms of a foreign interference in our elections. You know, Alexander Hamilton, way back when, called foreign intrigue in American politics the Trojan horse of our democracy. In his farewell address, George Washington warned against foreign intrigue and corruption. He expelled the ambassador from France who was messing around in our politics. I've never seen this before. And is this going to become the norm? Is every foreign power with an axe to grind now going to intervene in our politics and their interests, not in ours? So far, there seems to be no consequences whatsoever to all of this yeah. hacking. So that's a right. huge question before us, Glenn. The other big question is, you know, are we going to see a permanent turn in our politics or are we going to return to more normal politics? History teaches us that even when the system And even when it broke in the Civil War, we eventually do return to normal politics. Uh, But sometimes it can take a a long time. A similar election might be uh, 1828. Uh, Andrew Mm -hmm. Jackson against uh, John Quincy Adams, the sitting president. Quincy Adams had his own problems because he was elected in the so-called corrupt bargain in the House, because no one got a majority Mm -hmm. in the Electoral College when he gave up. Henry Clay, the Secretary of State, and Andrew Jackson was yep. vilified as a murderer. They passed around something called a coffin handbook. Pretty bitter, but eventually the system returned to a greater norm. But history doesn't always repeat itself. So, you know, it's hard to say. Alan, I'd love to talk to you again. You're fascinating. Absolutely. Thank you so much. Appreciate it. Uh, author of the new book, Predicting the Next President, um, Alan Lickman um, from, where was he? Uh, American University. I like that model a lot better than the one. Yeah, this 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 guy is. Week. You know, this makes more sense to me. Yeah, it does. It does. Is it, and he's. I mean, he's basically saying it's right on the border of yeah. who, who would be predicted by the model, uh, which is kind of how you feel right now. Kind of how you feel. Yeah. It could go either way. 
But I mean, it is. Have we seen anything, Stu, about the Hillary emails taking traction? Right. You know, this oh, is that is. There are so many things that are terrifying in our society right now. No kidding. For us to turn a blind eye and say, eh, you know what? We know she's bad. Or she didn't do anything. Oh, my gosh. The corruption is so terrifying. Again, this is uh, you, you try not to nominate people under current FBI investigation if you're the Democrat Party. It's yes. probably a lesson to learn. There's some lessons, basic lessons to learn for both parties after this one. Um, but it's an interesting thing to look at because I think the rational big picture person in everybody would look at this and say, wait a minute, you know, she's under FBI investigation. Of course he's going to win. I think it's a completely rational position to have. Unless he screws this up, he will win. Um, we don't yet have data to back that up because uh, the polls aren't fully reflecting that. We have definitely seen a tightening, however, uh, since uh, this has happened and a little bit before it had happened. It was already sort of trending towards Donald Trump. It has seemingly increased that way. The issue here is that he, she was in such a large lead mm-hmm. before this began, six, seven, eight points, that it, it, despite the fact that it's closed a lot, the polls are still showing her winning. And when you look at the states, That's you incredible. still find that. However, I don't think there's been enough uh, polling since the uh, actual um, announcement occurred with the FBI investigation to really get a handle on how much damage that did to her. My, my belief is that it did enough that he should be the favorite at this point. Why the, why, why the Trump bashing? Oh, the whole thing. Just said he was why, whole thing. Why the Trump bashing? <laughs> vote for Hillary. Vote for why? Hillary. I mean, the continual, seriously. Why don't you ever talk about Hillary? Why? Why is it always about Trump? Just, why? Uh, you don't why listen. The cons- and I know you bashing. don't listen, but that's besides the point. <laughs> I mean, the, but the, the professor, who, by the way, again, is predicting a Trump win, right. just laid it out exactly the way that we've laid it out for a long time, which is... Any other Republican would be winning easily right now. Only Donald Trump can blow this. This is being handed to him. It is his to take. It is his to win. All he has to do is not be horrible, and he's going to win this. Whether Donald Trump can hit that standard or not, I don't know. He hasn't been able to do it so far, but you have to believe that his— He hasn't made any big mistakes in the last two days. He's done exactly what What he's supposed to do. He's come out and he's attacked Clinton at every single point. He's he's made it about her— he hasn't said anything about any of his policies. He hasn't said anything about any people he believes is, are fat. He just continually talks about her and how terrible she is. And he only and that is his path to victory. He only has to do it for, what, eight more days? One more week. Yeah. Today, one week from today. One week from today. That's all he's got to do. And if, if he does that, I mean, how can he lose? They don't have anything to back, come back at him. Either. Oh, have you they're, heard They're the, trying to have some have old taxes the, or whatever. No. Right? I, the the one stuff. I'm seeing, the Russia stuff. Yeah, they're trying to tie him to Russia. Although even the New York Times, by the way, and for, the, for all the, the way the media is rigged, the New York Times came out and pretty much debunked the, uh, their attack on Russia and said that they don't believe at this time that there's any really? specific ties. Now, that's different from what his policy is, of yes. course. But, yeah. I mean, that was what the Clinton uh, people were trying to I don't think he's – I mean, I think he's absolutely a shill for Russia – but an unknowing shill. I don't think he has any I think clue. Manafort was obviously tied yeah. to yeah. Russia in oh, some yeah. way, but and I, three I of his advisors, three of his advisors were. But I don't think Donald Trump cares about that. Yeah, I don't. I don't think he thinks about it that way. He's he's not. He's just not that guy. Uh, he's just not that guy. So are his ties selling in Russia? That's what he cares about. Yeah, right. Can I build a hotel in Russia? Right. And I mean, I've you got know? I've got a couple of jackets that were made in Ukraine. So he may. There is maybe, a, 
Maybe Trump had some suits made out of Ukraine or something. I, <laughs> there's I a know. big there's a big rumor going on in Russia right now that uh, Hillary Clinton is going to destroy it because uh, and this is again this, there's no facts to this. This is just a Russian rumor. This is the hot, I guess, Twitter uh, feed over there on Donald Trump is that he came over. He was played by Putin. He was in a big Russian orgy, and they have the sex tape. <laughs> Uh, going on, and that <laughs> Clinton, on. yeah, that Clinton may release the sex tape of of Donald. Uh, if, if she had my Russian that. friends, if she would have had that, oh, they would have used it a long, please. long time ago. <laughs> I can say right now that uh, there, she's the, holding it. That video has not been released. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, our sponsor, you, our sponsor this half hour is Goldline. The Dallas Fed's manufacturing outlook has now contracted for 22 consecutive months. You know, the thing I like about the Dallas Fed is they're the only ones that tell you the truth. The Dallas Fed has been the one that has been against all of the... Uh, St. Louis Louis Fed has been pretty good, too. Yeah, I guess. uh, I guess. Yes, I agree. The two of them. The two of them are pretty much... Why are you ignoring the Pocatello Fed? It's not really... It's fine. From 2008 to 2009, collapse was 24 straight months. In their most recent report, production declined, new orders and average work week contracted, uh, and wages dropped while price, uh, prices paid rose. So we're making less. Things are cause- costing more money. That's what the Bemidji Fed just said, too. Oh, Bemidji, Minnesota? Yeah. yeah. Oh, wow, I see. Yeah. I As the professor that. just said, we're not in a recession, but it is feeling like one. And we will survive, and we will be stronger on the other side as long as we learn the lessons of the past. My grandfather said those who made money in the Great Depression were the ones who had money, the ones who were smart enough to get it out of the stock market, the ones that were smart enough to um, have some gold, do have some cash on hand, have things of real lasting value. The Fed chairman in Dubuque just said the same thing. Fed chairman, the Fed chairman in this chair is going to just smack (laughs) you in the face. Right now, you can buy with confidence with Goldline's price guarantee program. Uh, No, I wanted the group to back me up on that. We were oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. He should should back you. Jail Pat, Jail Pat, lock him up, lock him up. Eight six six four six five thirty five forty six. Read Goldline's important risk information and find out if buying gold or silver is right for you. Eight six six Goldline one eight six six Goldline. The Glenn Beck Program. Mercury. Triple eight seven two seven back. This is the Glenn Beck Program. You know, uh, this is the time that everybody's looking at Obamacare and their health care rates going through the roof. We had, because our health care is wildly, wildly expensive uh, for our company, and um, I found out something really interesting. I, we brought this company in um, to help us find good health care and keep the cost down. And um, they come in and uh, they... They come into my office after they've run all these models, and they say, well, um, your models, our computers will not model anything for you. 
And I said, what do you mean? And they said, well, zero deductible uh, or zero employee contribution. The computer won't even let them put it in. Wouldn't let them put low numbers in at all. They're like, nobody's doing that. And the numbers, the, the plans that we're looking at, which I think is a really good plan, but I've worked for companies that had really good plans before. He said, no one has seen plans like this in 10 years. And the whole country is going through a nightmare now. Thanks, Obama. The Glenn Beck Program. Mercury. We are, wow, almost at the end of our first season of history. I think we've done, we're at like eight, eight episodes now. I think there are 13 or 15 episodes per season, something like that. Um, and tonight is a really, really good episode. Can we? All have been really good. This, this, one is, this one is a story that when I found out, I couldn't believe it. And... Um, and I heard it in a way online, in a way that is completely untrue. And they tried to make it into something that it, it, it really wasn't. And I think hurt the story because the story itself is so amazing. A story most people have never, ever heard. Let me What's ask. about tonight? Kurt Garon. Ever heard of him? No. Okay, listen. Do we have the open of it? Go ahead and play a bit of the opening of the show. Here it is. Cameras don't lie. These are pictures of Germany. This is a film made towards the end of the war. The best artist. These are recognizable people. The best artists. The best craftsmen. Famous uh, stars from the films, uh, from stage, uh, some of the best singers around, the best poets, the best scientists, having meetings and, and, and discussing science, showing new ways to create things, make things, um, going out and playing in the sunshine. And this is an idyllic town. Every single person in this movie is Jewish. This is happening in the mid-40s. Hitler, you see, had no intent on killing all of the Jews. In fact, this town, this film was made to show a gift of a town to the Jews. Here is a place where families would play together, um, children were loved and cherished and fed well. Um, it's in the mid-1940s. In fact, by the end of the war, this probably was, without a doubt, the most culturally active town in perhaps the entire world, with orchestras and concerts going on every single day. How come you've never seen this film? 
This film was made by a Jew. The story that I'm going to tell you tonight will prove, oh yes indeed, the camera does lie. In one of the most horrific lies ever to be told. Kurt Garon, his story. So this is the story of Kurt Garon uh, in uh, his story tonight. And when I found this film, it's called A Gift to the Jews. And it is a film made by Kurt Garon, who is a very, he was, uh, he was, uh, I don't even know how to describe him. Uh, uh, he was, you know, Laurel and Hardy or, or Fatty Arbuckle, who, if you know anything about history and comedians, he was, he was gigantic as a comedian for a while in America. He was the big comedic star of Germany, known in all of the films. He never played a leading man because he was comic relief, but he was, he was the biggest draw. And when he realized he couldn't be a leading man, he started to make films, and he made all of the big films. Peter Lorre was in his film. Fritz Lang said, please leave Germany. He's a Jew. And he didn't believe that Hitler was going to do any of this stuff. He finally escapes because he's shut down entirely and he realizes things are going to get bad. But this is where the story gets interesting. This Town for the Jews, a film that he made, is such a horrific story because everything that you just saw, have you ever seen any of that video video before, Pat? Yeah, we talked about this uh, three, four years ago. Several years ago. When we were story I told The story I told was wrong. Really? Wrong. Was it really? Yes. I knew it. Lie. As I started to do our research on this to make sure that we had it all right, uh, it's not. Mm. And the story story is even more tragic than it was. Oh, good. Yeah. It is. It's unbelievable. But what you learn from his story, the, the the way I told it in New York, he was just a hapless victim, yeah, and he is a right. victim. I didn't believe it. He was I just yeah. He was business, that he was right. trying to save. He was trying to save all the Jews. Right. He was trying to do all these right. things, and he trusted Hitler. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's not true. Um, and I don't want to give away the story because it's really important that you hear it the way it should be told. But when you see it, boy, does it make you self-examine and say. Oh, I never want to go down that trail. And all of us have the opportunity. I mean, never to that extent. But all of us have the opportunity to go right down the trail he did. Mm. Kurt Garon, a story that everybody should know, uh, with some amazing footage in this uh, that you've never seen before. Check it out uh, tonight, his story, at 5 o'clock on The Blaze. And by the way, you can... You can binge on them. They're, they're really good. This in the vault. You can go to glenbeck.com and binge on them. Um, but uh, stories you just haven't seen in, in ways that you've never seen them told before. His story tonight, 5 o'clock, only on the Blaze TV. 
All right, let me break a bit early here. Let me um, tell you, if you didn't get enough sleep last night, uh, you know what it's like to now be, you know, yawning today like I am. We were out with the kids last night. We were out with the kids last night trick-or-treating. And uh, my older kids ran ahead. And now I am I'm with my granddaughter and my grandson. Trick. Yeah, who's like, your granddaughter's two? Or three. is she three? She's three. Okay, so and you the, can keep up with her still? Shut up. My kids, <laughs> my kids ran off. My kids just did what kids do on, you know, what I used to do uh, on Halloween. You just run yeah. and you'd be like, I'll see you guys later. We were like, wow, last year was the last, was the last Halloween with the kids and there was no warning. It just, they grew up overnight. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's just. Well, did you go out with your parents? I never went out with my I parents. never did either. I don't remember no, doing that a single time. I, I must have once. really early on. But I all I remember no. is being with my friends on Halloween. You'd Halloween. be with your friends or if you had siblings, your mom or yeah. my mom and dad would just say, oh. you know, Colada Michelle, just make sure you're with your brother. And then yeah. keep an eye on my kid. And then my sisters would be like, shut up and don't say anything and just follow us. And so you'd be like, okay, <laughs> you know, I mean, you know, yeah. your older siblings, at least in my family, they weren't nice about it. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, um, if you didn't get enough sleep a night, uh, last night, would you consider that maybe your mattress needs to be replaced? How much more productive and happy will you be? <sighs> and the other you thing a good is, night's sleep. how much do you spend on other things that you don't spend nearly as much time with? Like your car. You know, it, it, you Two spend eight hours spend. a night, preferably, on your yeah. mattress. Yeah, and, and in your car, depending on your your commute. I mean, I know people who have two-hour commutes. You're spending four hours a day in your car. Yeah. Okay? Let's, you know, make that comfortable for you. You know, I can understand mm-hmm. that. But mm-hmm. how much money are you spending on that? Now, it's important. Mattress, you're spending anywhere from six to ten hours every day. Right. It's a third of your life. It's a third of your life. Upgrade the mattress. Right. Now, when you say that, usually mattresses mattresses can be... Oh, that's, that's how they try to get you into a $6,000 sure mattress. Yeah. It sure is. $6,000. And it you look at that and you're like... It doesn't cost anywhere near that 6, much. This is le- a king size is less than $1,000. I know. It's an, an unbelievable deal. It is really good. That's why Time Magazine said this is the mattress that's revolutionized everything. Terms and conditions do apply. If you use Beck, you get $50 off the purchase of your mattress. But again, whether, no matter what size bed you're looking for, this is going to be the best deal and the best night's sleep you've had. Go to Casper.com. Use it for 100 nights in your home. You don't like it. They come, pick it up, and they refund every single penny. Terms and conditions do apply. Casper.com. Go to Casper.com. Offer code Beck. You're listening to the Glenn Beck Program. This is the Glenn Beck Program. We're just reminiscing like Father Time. I remember on Halloween going to the neighbors and Mrs. Olson always made candied apples. 
Yeah, she didn't make coffee Folgers instant. No, <laughs> uh, and then uh, and then getting the popcorn. I was pining for a popcorn ball last night. Yeah, fresh. If you got one though, would you eat it? I would. Oh no, I wouldn't. No, wouldn't and, and that's all urban legend. That's never. Do you know? I mean, we've talked. about That's never. It. There's never it's, ever been a razor blade ever found. Never in been any a apple. confirmed case of a poisoning or a razor blade at Halloween, other than the guy who poisoned his own kid in Houston, Texas, in 1974, and I think got the death penalty for it. Um, He's in Texas. Other, other than that, it's it's never happened. Yeah, but man, that's it's been a forty-year hysteria. Yeah, okay. No ever since that one story, yeah, but that was part of the fun was uh, uh, yeah. making them and then wrapping them and then having them for your house, yeah. and then you'd go out and get something else. And I don't know, it's just it's just different now. I went out with all my grandkids last night, and about twenty minutes into it, they're like, "I'm tired. I'm out of gas. My, my feet hurt." I'm like. I used to go for three hours on Halloween night. Yeah. Three hours. My gosh. Every easy, house on easy. the west side of my city. He is the t- he is turned father into time. the get off of my yes. lawn, you lazy kid guy. <laughs> That's really yes, an application of uphill both ways is what that was. Uh, <laughs> I was. Uh, can I tell you something? I, I last night was the one the kids were like, let's go, let's go. And I'm like, I'm tired. I'm going home. I'm going to bed. Because we go to a different neighborhood. Yeah, so do we. Nobody's yet. I mean, I feel bad for those neighborhoods. The neighborhoods like yours? No, no. Oh, but that's what you love okay. about being in one of those neighborhoods. I mean, every... I no, I feel bad because we're not part of your neighborhood. So? We're, we're, we, we see you once a year at Halloween when we take your stuff. Right, but that's bring part it to the, our neighborhood. It's part of the charm <laughs> of being in one of those. I mean, if you care and you like to... I mean, we went to a neighborhood that is similar to that way. It's the neighborhood we used to live in. That's where we always go back to. We appreciate um, you guys coming into our neighborhoods right. on Halloween. Thank yeah. you. Yeah. You're welcome. Uh, oh, we were in, oh, I'm sure you're a real you. magnet for the yeah. children. Right. <laughs> all the Megan's Law signs all over. Real magnets. Do you remember... Hacked. Do you remember, Pat... Well, uh, um, uh, when we used to go in New Canaan, Connecticut, there was this one street that like went crazy. They remember they they did their houses like professional oh, yeah. stage people from New York would come, yeah. uh, and we would go on the you know the Sunday before. Tanya and I we would go buy candy and we would bring it to their houses and we would drop it in their mailboxes because they were overloaded with people. I mean, you couldn't move. The streets were blocked, remember? Yeah. And so they were overloaded, and we felt bad. We were like, man, if I lived on this, if I lived in the street, I'm paying so much for candy. Yeah, that's what you love about it. Plus, candy is not all that expensive. I mean, we, we there was a poll they took uh, wow, back in... Him. I know, right? You can go in there. You, you, you go buy those mixed bags at like Target. Well, excuse me, Mister Highfalutin. No, let's get down. You want this argument? This is the argument you want. Let's, let's have it. Because I want to have it. Do you want to have it? I, I'd like to have it. Yes. Okay. Uh, back in uh, 1900, there was a poll uh, where they 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 polled kids on what they wanted for uh, Christmas, not Halloween, Christmas most of all. And the number one and two answers were nuts and candy. Welcome to my house, kids. <laughs> right. Merry Christmas. Here's your bag of nuts. Now, I wonder if part of it is that people, they're just, you know, look, the capitalist system has brought such bounty yes, sure that, has. like, you know, the can- getting candy is, like, you know, it's an everyday occurrence for a lot of kids. It's not that big of a deal going around and getting free candy. Well, all the candy they have is free. And Although we did have several houses that are going back to the, going back to the nature and, and the olden days because they're doing the all-natural 
and they won't give any kid they won't give the kids anything with sugar in it or high oh food. shut up it, they don't it's like all natural organic yeah there was a there was a story uh, about a lady that was gonna, i don't want that i remember we lived in a we lived in a neighborhood where we would walk to the good neighborhoods uh, as a kid and we walked to where the doctors and the lawyers and everybody lived nobody went to the dentist house because this guy was giving away toothbrushes right <laughs> shut up shut up <laughs> Mr. Toothbrush. <laughs> it's a good night for you. You'll be drilling holes in my teeth. Yeah, this in is what six weeks. For your candy. That guy would get his house toilet paper. Oh, oh yeah. yeah. At the very least. Or yeah. firebombed. Yeah. Probably more like now. Yeah, firebombed. <laughs> there was a story of a lady in, uh, I forget where she was. She was going to start uh, handing out letters to the fat kids. Uh, you don't need candy. Are you oh my me? gosh! Yeah, that was the story about it. The neighborhood. Oh my was, gosh! The school was all wound up at this lady, and she was like, "I'm just trying to be helpful to the kids." How much would that piss you off? Oh man! Oh I mean, my gosh! You're too fat. Can you imagine? <laughs> oh. you imagine you being a, a dad and a, or a mom, yeah. and your kid comes no. back. She gave me yeah, a letter, I, and it said, "You're too fat. You don't need candy." <gasps> What would you do? You'd say, it's, she's yeah. right, but where's your candy? That's another urban legend that's going to last. <laughs> it's got to be. I mean, that can't be true. I can't. Okay. I mean, can you imagine? What would you say? I got to fly. I don't know. I'd be pretty pissed. Oh, my know. gosh. Yeah. I would not be reasonable. My wife would be, she would say to me, this is all she would say to me. The minute she saw me read that letter, she would say, don't. That's all she would say. She wouldn't even know what I was going to do. She would just know it would be a bad idea. Don't. Don't. (laughs) Wow. That would put the new kindness thing to the test. For sure. The new kindness? The new kindness thing. I mean, even newer new kindness. Mahatma Glendy? The Mahatma Glendy thing? Yes. Yes. Well, that would be wrong. I would do that for any kid. I would do that for Jeffy's kids. They're all fat. (laughs) But they're not. No, but we say that because look, they're going to turn into that. No, I don't think that. Let's not be unfair. No, he's he was that when when he oh, was I, their age. So they're not that. Oh, that's right. Yeah. You were. Yeah, oh, yeah. Eh, that lady yeah. should have given Cupcake you a letter. I think you're thinking that letter might have gone to you. It might have helped, Jeffy. Yeah. <laughs> I've turned yeah. around on her. Yeah. <laughs> so I was shopping in the husky section. <laughs> <laughs> All right, see you at 5 tonight. History only in the blaze. This is the Glenn Beck Program. Mercury.